It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Our Locked On Washington football team, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. All right, we're with you here for this crossover edition of the Locked On Washington football team podcast. Coming up on the show, Corbin Smith, host of Locked On Seahawks, will join us for excellent analysis on the Seahawks. Russell Wilson, DK Metcalf, coming to FedEx Field for the surging first place Washington football team. Uh, Good to have you with us. I'm Chris Russell. We are brought to you by our friends at Pepsi. That's right. You know this football season is very, very different. But every football day can be a great day if you're fueling yourself like I do with Pepsi or Diet Pepsi in my case. Grab a can, grab a six-pack, grab a 12-pack, grab a couple of two-liters because Pepsi is made for football watching and we'll all be watching the Washington football team and the Seattle Seahawks this Sunday at FedEx Field. I'll be there for you, but make sure you celebrate and watch and fuel yourself to get through game day with an ice-cold Pepsi or Diet Pepsi and go to madeforfootballwatching.com. All right, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to have Corbin in just a moment, so this opening segment will be short. Here's what you need to know. DeShazer Everett on injured reserve, hurt late in the game on Sunday. Uh, For whatever reason, he wasn't on the injury report on Wednesday. Uh, Had to have surgery on his chest. I believe it's a pectoral, but I'm not 100% sure. They're just saying chest, but generally, that's the deal. So that's going to hurt because that means that Jeremy Reeves and Cameron Curl are most likely your starting safeties and Troy Apke is going to have to be relied on more. Uh, And it's just kind of attrition for your special teams as well with Everett being a guy who's played, you know, not as much on special teams this year because of how much he's had to play at safety, but it's a problem as well. I think he's played about 175 snaps on special teams. So that's going to be a real big concern, especially against a deep, vertical, long passing attack of DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, Russell Wilson, the tight ends, which we're going to talk to Corbin about. Corresponding roster move. Officially, Lamar Miller has been signed from the Chicago Bears practice squad. Now, he still has to go through six-day protocol testing. Uh, he signed his contract, obviously, on Thursday. So he's still got to go, so he's not going to be cleared in time to play. But he should be cleared to practice practice next week um, for the Carolina Panthers. So assuming that all that goes okay, but he will not be available uh, today, even though they officially announced the signing there. Also, since our last episode, I 
Don't know if we got a whole lot of this in. Uh, Tressway, Special Teams Player of the Week. I think we mentioned it, but I can't remember, uh, to be quite honest with you. And really, the injury report is such. Antonio Gibson, Alex Smith, both still have not practiced through Thursday's practice. Now, maybe there's a chance uh, they'll practice on Friday. We'll have that update for you in our final episode uh, of the week, but it's unlikely that both are going to practice this week. Uh, I would think both are especially Gibson out. They keep saying that they can make the decision on game day morning about Alex Smith. Um, I think, I think they're being kind of, if Alex Smith plays, I think they're being a little bit reckless, quite honestly. That's just more my opinion based on what happened last week. But I, I could be wrong on that. I'm not a doctor. So I'll just say that's my opinion, not what I know. Um, but that's my opinion. Uh, all right. So Corbin Smith, host of Locked on Seahawks, also covers the Seahawks for SI.com, is going to join us next. We'll go around the horn asking him all sorts of questions about the Seahawks on offense and defense. That's coming straight up. And then Corbin will ask me some questions about the Washington football team. Winners of four in a row. Good to have you with us on this crossover edition of the Locked on Washington football team podcast uh, with Locked on Seahawks straight ahead right here. All right, guys, it is Chris Russell for our friends at Built Go. If you need natural energy, the best way to break through that mental or physical wall is with Built Go. That's right. It's not with, you know, a sugary filled snack. No, not with carbs, <clears throat> not with caffeine purely. That's okay, depending on what kind of caffeine we're talking about. But I have a suggestion for you, something with, something with natural Caffeine, natural energy boost, natural collagen protein, uh, B3, a kick of caffeine, B6, B12, all the good things that you want in your body instead of, again, a sugary five-hour energy or a candy bar or ice cream or even coffee or soda. You get the point. They're one and a half ounce packages. You put it in your briefcase. You put it in your gym bag. You put it in uh, your your backpack, whatever. Uh, and they have three delicious flavors, peanut butter, honey, chocolate, coconut, chocolate, mint. I've tried all three. Peanut butter, honey is my favorite. But, you know, you could like chocolate, coconut. You could like chocolate, mint. Whatever you like is your choice. BuiltGo.com. Go ahead and visit them. And use the promo code LOCKED and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use the promo code LOCKED for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. And as we always say, let's go. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. 
Back on this crossover edition, I'm Chris Russell, host of Locked On Washington football team, joined by Corbin Smith, host of the Locked On Seahawks podcast as well. You can check out Corbin at SI.com, covering the Seattle Seahawks. Corbin, always good to catch up with you, man. Uh, Happy holidays to you and your listeners. Uh, I guess we'll start with this. Russell Wilson, a Richmond, Virginia native, comes back to sort of the area, FedEx Field on Sunday in Landover, Maryland, Washington, riding a hot streak. I know Russell was very good against a miserable New York Jet team, but struggled against a tough defense in the New York Giants. Is this Seattle offense more what we saw last Sunday or more towards what we saw two weeks ago against a good defense like New York, Uh, the New York Giants, that is? I would think that they were closer to last week when you're looking at the season as a whole. Wilson has definitely laid a few eggs this season. It's been kind of surprising. Really, this was the most prolonged slump he's had of his career. He had a five-game stretch with just six touchdown passes, and we're talking about the same guy at the beginning of the season. The first five weeks of the year was on pace to break Peyton Manning's single-season touchdown record. So it's been kind of an up-and-down season by his standards, but – Everybody knew he was going to snap out of it at some point. And yes, the New York Jets are a bad, bad football team. And it was truly a get-right game. But when you look at the weapons that he has on the outside, the fact that a lot of the mistakes that he's made, I I was really critical of him last week going into that game because it just felt like he was reverting back to some of the habits earlier in his career that gave him some problems. Holding on to the football too long, trying to make something happen when it wasn't necessarily there, extending plays maybe a bit too much. But he... Took the foot a little bit off the pedal in that regard this last week, and he just went out and he played really sound football. They got their short to intermediate passing game going. You know he still wants to hit those deep balls, and so that's something Washington will have to keep an eye on this week. But certainly it seems like he's got himself back on a roll again. Maybe not quite as hot as he was early in the season, but they got him back rolling. It looks like the Pro Bowl quarterback that he is. How much do you think that was, say, the Jets being the Jets, as opposed to Russ being, what do they say, letting Russ cook, as they say, which, you know, is a little bit weird. Like how how much of that, again, was that success was the byproduct of such a bad opponent? Well, I think that definitely played a factor in it. But I also think, you know, you look at the approach the Seahawks had in this game, they got kind of, I want to say they got a little bit cocky, a little bit arrogant the week before. Like, we are going to get these deep balls downfield, and the Giants weren't going to allow that. And Mm -hmm. so they made them pay for that stubbornness by not taking those short to intermediate passes that I believe were there all game long for the Seahawks to take advantage of. And that ended up letting the pass rush get there. Really, the O-line has been playing pretty well all season, even with some injuries they've had. But he got sacked five times in that Giants game, and several of them were really on him for just not getting the football out of his hands or the play calling not being where it needed to be for him to take advantage of what the Giants defense was giving him. So, yeah, I think the Jets' defense certainly had an impact. They're not good, really, at any of the three levels. Their secondary had two rookies starting a corner, and the Seahawks have really good receivers on the outside. They were going to get their plays in this game, but I also think Russell Wilson in this offense, what we saw the week before, was a mirage, too. Almost the entire season. They've had a couple duds, but almost this entire season, this has been an explosive offense, and they're still averaging over 30 points per game. 
besides taking away the deep ball, which, you know, as you just kind of alluded to, Seattle wants to hit and wants to be a big part of it, especially Russell on the run and and, and off of bootlegs and stuff. What do you think is, uh, I mean, I guess the best way to kind of go about attacking them? Is it just a straight up pass rush? Is it like, uh, would would you would would you blitz Russell a lot? Would you just play zone? Would you play man? Like, what do you think is the best recipe to kind of neutralize them? I assume it's making them go down the field and you know eight, nine, ten type play drives and hoping that they make a mistake. But is it that simple? Well, that's some of it because if you look at what the Giants were doing, they were running a lot of two deep safety and they were running three cloud looks, which was really eliminating those vertical routes from DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett and company. And so that did take away the bread and butter for Seattle's passing game. And it really was forcing them, if you want to move the ball, it's going to have to be more methodical, the short to intermediate game. They came back and they did that against the Jets last weekend. Mm -hmm. I think if you look at the teams that have had success against the Seahawks this year, whether it's the Giants, the Rams game, they were the other team that held the Seahawks under 20 points this year offensively. What you noticed in those games, the Buffalo Bills had some success doing this too. The Seahawks scored more points in that game overall, but All three of those teams did a good job of pre-snap disguising and mixing up where their blitzes were coming from. And normally Russell Wilson is a good quarterback against the blitz. If you look at his numbers pre-2020, he's been one of those quarterbacks that teams don't want to blitz. This season, the couple games he's had where he's really been off, though, it has seemed like he either just hasn't noticed that blitz coming or he hasn't been able to get the ball out to his hot receiver. It's things you just didn't expect from Russell Wilson. It led to some uncharacteristic bad decisions, and it led to more sacks in the second part of the season for Seattle to this point. And again, I don't think that's on the offensive line for the most part, but teams have been able to disguise well, have been able to fool Russell Wilson a little bit. It was nice to see him bounce back last week I don't think the Jets were giving the looks that the Giants were the week before, though. They're not coached near as well, and they don't have the talent. So certainly, again, the Jets were a factor. But I think if the Washington football team wants to be able to have success, yes, they've got the four-man rush to be able to do it. But I think the disguise with how they show their coverages and when they do sprinkle in blitzes is going to be key. Corbin Smith, Locked On Seahawks. Also check him out at SI.com. Covering the Seattle Seahawks with us on this crossover edition. Uh, I'm Chris Russell, host of the Locked On Washington football team podcast. Before we flip the script to the defense for Seattle, uh, just a quick snapshot. I mean, obviously Carson back, rushed for 76 yards. We know that the running game is integral to every good offense, but to set up play action uh, and boot action and to get those linebackers maybe to jump up or your eyes in the backfield, obviously when you have a, just a, a machine like DK Metcalf, but then you have Tyler Lockett, so you can't just roll all your coverage to DK Metcalf because Lockett will hurt you. Uh, it, give me a general snapshot of the rest of the offense and and, and what, what else could hurt Washington if – if they're able to keep, again, Metcalf and and Carson relatively under control, who else do they have to worry about, I guess? David Moore hasn't played as well of late, but the first half of the season, he was one of the best number three receivers in the NFL. And I'm going to throw a name out there I did not think we would be discussing this week because I didn't think he'd be back. But 
Greg Olson has practiced the last two days. Yeah, He's going to return. So there's a chance that Greg Olson could be out there on Sunday. Right now, I'd say it's 50-50. They might want to give him another week of practice before they bring him back. But he's itching to play. He looks good. He feels good. One month after tearing the fascia in his left foot. It's a remarkable recovery for him to be back on the practice field already. But he and Will Disley at the tight end positions, I think, could be a problem for Washington's linebackers. And that might be an area I've been saying it all year, It feels like the Seahawks have not taken advantage of the talent that they have at that tight end group. At some point, there's going to be a game where Will Disley, Olsen, Jacob Hollister, those guys are going to have a big game collectively where Russell Wilson's getting the football to him a lot. And this might be a matchup where that ends up happening. If you're the opponent, maybe that's a good thing because you're not getting toasted by DK Metcalf. But Seattle's got capable tight ends that can do damage in the passing game. I'm with you. And that's what, that's one reason why I asked it uh, that way. And I'm glad you went there because uh, earlier in the year, especially Washington really struggled against tight ends. Now they've gotten a little bit better. Uh, Bostic and, and Kevin Pierre Lewis and Cole Holcomb, their linebackers uh, have been better the last couple of weeks during this winning streak, but KPL, Kevin Pierre Lewis, fast guy who struggled in coverage a little bit. He's banged up. He hasn't practiced this week. Uh, and, you know, again, they've been exposed by good tight ends. So I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, let's flip the script to the defense. And, 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 you know, last year when the Jets came into FedEx Field, now different scheme, different coordinator, different uh, home opponent, obviously just different everything. Jamal Adams had three sacks and Greg Williams and the Jets just blitzed the snot uh, from the box uh, out of the Washington offensive line. It was just ugly. And the Jets just uh, just rolled all over them. How does Seattle use Jamal? And would you expect, especially being that there's a lot of uncertainty as to who the quarterback is going to be, that they're going to unleash him a lot on blitzes? Or would you say it'll just be a, a mild or moderate amount? So this is just me speaking from somebody that's watched a lot of film over the years, and I really have loved what the Seahawks are doing with Adams lately. He actually only blitzed six times against the Jets, and they were dropping him back into robber coverage. They were doing two deep safety looks. They had him in man on tight ends and running backs. They were doing a lot of different things with him in this game, and it feels like Ken Norton Jr. is getting a better understanding of how he can maximize Adams' skill set. But I look at this particular game, especially the two tackles that Washington has. I don't feel like Cornelius Lucas or Morgan Moses for even the tackle position standards. I don't feel like they're very athletic. I would think if I'm the defensive coordinator that I'm going to be sending Jamal Adams a bit more off the edge, especially because neither of the quarterbacks Washington potentially could play in this game worry me being able to move around the pocket and being fleet of foot, especially Alex Smith with the injury he had. I think you can get Jamal Adams coming off the edge, and I think he can turn up the heat quickly, especially with his past success against this team. I know it's different teams, and really that's not relevant, but I look at Washington's offensive line, and I look at the quarterback situation, and I'm thinking, okay, I'm not sending seven or eight men on the blitz, but you better believe I will send a fifth, and it's going to be Jamal Adams frequently. I would not be – I actually would be pretty surprised if they are not more aggressive this week sending him after the quarterback. Yeah, I agree with you, and that's what I worry about too. All right, quickly as we wrap this up, give me a – I guess a a little snapshot. I know they're good stop in the run, but certainly have struggled in coverage. Quentin Dunbar has been banged up. Maybe the you know uh, 
maybe that situation gets better, but your biggest concern coming into this game for the Seahawks defense. I think it comes down to the pass rush because there is a chance they won't have Carlos Dunlap out there in this game. He missed the Jets game. He still has not practiced this week. They're hoping he can get on the field on Sunday. But if he doesn't, they were able to withstand his absence against the Jets. I don't know if they can do that against Washington, especially when I mentioned the inability to move for the two quarterbacks there. You would like to have that edge rushing presence be as good as possible for this week because that could be a big advantage for the Seahawks. But if they don't have him, there's a big drop-off in talent there. You would be starting Benson Mayoa, who is a solid veteran pass rusher, but he's not Carlos Dunlap. And so that would be the area that I would maybe be most concerned. There is a chance Quentin Dunbar plays in this game. He is he is back at practice, and so they could activate him from injured reserve. Their secondary has been playing much better the last four or five games. Some of it's been the product of the teams they've been playing against, but it really seems like that group is coming together. So oddly enough, you know, three or four weeks ago, I would have been telling you any any game, the secondary is the one that concerns me, but they've got Shaquille Griffin back. Dunbar might be back. Adams is playing well. Quandre Diggs is playing like an all pro the last three or four games. And so really it just comes down to, are they going to have all their guys up front so they can turn up the heat on Alex Smith or Dwayne Haskins? If they can do that, I like this ball hawking secondary to be able to potentially create some turnovers. All right, good stuff out of Corbin uh, as we spin you around uh, on his team. The Seahawks will come back and Corbin will ask me some questions about the surging Winners of four in a row and the leaders in the NFC East, the Washington football team. That's next on this crossover edition of the Locked on Seahawks and Locked on Washington football team podcast. Good to have you with us. All right, it is Chris Russell here for our friends at Pepsi. As we told you about in the show open, I'll be at FedEx Field this Sunday. You'll be watching the Washington football team and the Seattle Seahawks, presumably, or NFL action all weekend long. We'll have it for you. And this football season different. And Pepsi is here to get you ready for said game day, no matter how you watch this season. Again, Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. And we are all football watchers, right? Whether we're on TV or, again, at FedEx Field, where I will be, supposed to rain a little bit, we will be fueling ourselves with Pepsi, Diet Pepsi. Again, two liters, one liter, cans, six-pack, 12-pack. You get the idea. Keep it cold, baby. Put it on ice, enjoy it with a lemon or a lime, and you are living life large. Go to madeforfootballwatching.com to check out the latest football watching content from our friends at Pepsi. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome back to Crossover Thursday here on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Corbin Smith of Locked On Seahawks. Joining forces with Chris Russell of the Locked On Washington Football Team Podcast Happy holidays, Chris, to you and your family. I'll tell you what, the Washington football team, I've gotten a chance to watch them a few times the past few weeks. I saw the big win over the Steelers. 
There may not be a team in the NFL right now that is playing better defense than Ron Rivera's crew. And going into this game, and I'm speaking from a historical perspective here, everybody knows throughout the Pete Carroll era that one of the biggest issues they've had is protecting Russell Wilson. This year, there have been some games where they've get, they've given up a lot of sacks, but I don't necessarily believe a lot of that is on the offensive line. The group has really been much better this season. That being said, the bread and butter for the Washington football team, that defensive line with five first-round picks, most recently Chase Young, Montez Sweat, one of my favorite prospects in the 2019 draft, Seattle passed over the opportunity to draft him. And I know a lot of fans in the Pacific Northwest are still bitter about that, that they did not make that move. But they've got a couple big-time defensive tackles in Deron Payne and Jonathan Allen as well. What is it about this group that they've just really put everything together this year? Is it all about the coaching, or is it just the fact that all that talent together has just brought out the best in all these players. You know, Corbin, they they were inconsistent for the first half of the year. Now, some of that was because they lost Chase Young for a couple of games, and then it took him a little while to kind of get back into the flow of things, and they lost Matt Ioannidis, who was arguably their best pass rusher over the last couple of years. They lost both of those guys early in a Week 3 loss at Cleveland, and it seemed like it took them a little while to find themselves. They couldn't stop the run. They were getting gashed at both the defensive line and linebacker level. Um, you know, they were in bad angles, bad creases. They were converting from a 3-4 to a 4-3. Ron Rivera and Jack Del Rio were quite a, quite honestly very upset. You know, whenever I would ask them, whenever anybody else would ask them, they said, listen, it's not the scheme. Uh, the scheme works. Uh, it's it's the placement. It's, it's the players knowing what to do and what we're coaching them to do. And, you know, basically I would say it took them a little bit longer than midway through the season, really a loss uh, in mid-November, November 15th against Detroit, where Detroit ran all over them, a combination of DeAndre Swift and the former Washington running back, Adrian Peterson, the soon-to-be Hall of Famer, uh, where they really kind of shredded them on the ground. The week before that, it was Alfred Morris and, uh, and, and, and Wayne Gall, uh, uh, I forgot his name, uh, Wayne Gallman. Wayne Gallman. <laughs> I wanted to call him Wayne Galladay because I was thinking about Detroit, where they ran all over them, right? Since that point, Corbin, they've stopped the run. They've stopped, they gave up a little bit more last week than I would have liked, a little bit more than a hundred yards. But San Francisco, as we as you your listeners know, and as you know, real good running team. But when they had to have run stops last week, they absolutely did. And the three games before that, as part of this four-game winning streak, they were only allowing an average of 50 rushing yards per game. So so I believe stopping the run, getting better in that area at the defensive line and the linebacker level has allowed them to make teams like Pittsburgh one-dimensional. They can pin their ears back. They get after you, obviously, with a pass rush, and it's not one guy. It's not two guys. You mentioned it's four guys, sometimes five guys with Kerrigan. And then they'll occasionally blitz a guy like Bostic or Kevin Pierre-Lewis uh, from the linebacker level. Uh, sometimes they'll blitz a safety off the edge. We've seen that with Landon Collins before he went out. Cam Curl, rookie out of Arkansas, who's been awesome. Uh, he'll blitz from the edge sometimes. But more, when you can make a team one-dimensional, and I always argue this, when you make a team one-dimensional and then you have the athletes and the pass rush that Washington has, not only can you get home more, but you also get your hands up into throwing lanes and you obstruct 
view and lanes, and then you knock passes down. They're really, really good at that. Montez Sweat, Deron Payne, and Chase Young specifically – awesome at knocking down passes and clogging up passing lanes just by putting their mitts up and knocking passes down or altering, again, the view or the path of a short pass. So that's one thing Russell Wilson and the Seahawks are definitely going to have to be aware of in this game. Yeah, you've got a number of guys there that you go back to their college film. They were excellent at getting their hands up and swatting passes away. And so that's certainly going to be something to watch, not just getting home to hit Russell Wilson, but also getting their big paws up into the passing lane. The other thing I've been really impressed with in recent games from this Washington defense, I still think you look at the two corners, the two starters on the outside, Kendall Fuller on one side, Ronald Darby in the other. These are two players that in the past, Russell Wilson has had some had some success against, especially Ronald Darby when he was playing in Philadelphia. He had a lot of success throwing the football against him. And I think both of them still have the propensity at times to be gamblers. Yep. But at the same token, they are really good at getting their hands on the football. And as of late, really buying into this scheme. Fuller's got four interceptions. Darby's got 12 passes defense this year. How do you think that secondary stacks up against a Seahawks receiving core that – has a monster in DK Metcalf that's among league leaders in receptions and receiving touchdowns, as well as Tyler Lockett, who has consistently been one of the best receivers in the NFL the last three years. Yeah, I don't think they match up very well. I mean, as good for the most part as those guys have been, Darby and Fuller have both been beaten on double moves, on um, you know, on on little, um, I, I guess. Uh, you know, fake pumps and and goes, you know, that type of thing uh, where a guy like DK Metcalf with not only his size, but his speed, and you mentioned Lockett, can get behind. And they have very, very, very questionable uh, safeties, uh, which we'll get to in a second. But Darby and Fuller have both given up and really more Darby early in the year, Fuller lately, big, big plays. The Washington football defense, as good as it is, uh, statistically as good as the defensive line that we just talked about, has been victim of one thing and one thing consistently, and that's, again, giving up big plays. And I really worry about that off of play-action boots with Russell coverage breaking down. Again, we mentioned the size of DK Metcalf. We know that. You mentioned the tight ends and what that might put – uh, Washington, you know, Washington's defense in a compromising position. I don't know if you can just double DK Metcalf, right? I mean, you're going to shade safety help over there. Okay, great. Well, that that safety help's not good. You know, they they just had to put DeShazer Everett, a veteran um, free safety who's really more of a strong safety, on IR on Thursday. They're already without Landon Collins. Mentioned they're starting a kid, Cam Curl, seventh-round pick out of Arkansas. Now, listen, he shouldn't have been a seventh-round pick. He should have been much higher. He's been awesome. But, I mean, he's still a seventh-round rookie or he's still a rookie. And now they're probably going to have to start either Troy Apke, eh, uh, who's got speed and nothing else, and or Jeremy Reeves, who I think it's going to be, who, again, didn't even make the team out of camp, but immediately caught on with their practice squad. Now, Ron Rivera and Jack Del Rio seem to like him, but, I mean, we're not talking about a great safety situation. We're not talking about Earl Thomas in his prime with Cam Chancellor back there. We're talking about two, quite honestly, nine-to-five jabronis. I, I'm just being honest. And so this is the area, if Washington can't get home on the pass rush, if they allow Russell – to expand the play and extend the play on rollout sprints, boots, 
I think coverage is going to break down, and I think this defense, this secondary is very, very susceptible to the big play. Russell Wilson will love to hear that. I'm sure he's seen some plays on tape, but like I said, it doesn't seem like that's been as much of a problem in recent games, but some of that also has been those opportunities have not been there because the pass rush has been so darn good too. So that's, you know, it's one of those give or take things that you see with any NFL defense. Now let's swing to the other side of the ball because that's really where even though Washington has won four straight, the offense has not exactly been lighting the world on fire. That being said, Alex Smith has given them at least a reliable game manager under center. They benched Dwayne Haskins early in the season and now there's a good chance that Alex Smith isn't going to be able to play in this game. Do you, you know, going into this, going into this contest, what's the pulse of the quarterback situation? Because obviously Dwayne Haskins has the physical talent, but getting benched early in the season and, and some of the maturity question marks that have been there question marks about the work ethic. There's been a number of red flags that have been raised and clearly the coaching staff has not been happy with the way that he's carried himself which is why they went to Kyle Allen for a while, and then Alex Smith after Allen got hurt. What is your pulse in this quarterback situation going into this game? Because Haskins clearly has the physical tools, but Alex Smith is your longtime starter that has been through the league a long time. He's played against every type of defense, and maybe he's the better one for this game. It just It's a contrast in styles in a lot of different ways. Yeah, they're kind of, you know, the way I would look at it is they're kind of up a creek without a paddle, you know, and I know uh, that's an old adage that that maybe I'm, I used, you know, because I'm an old guy, uh, but, but picture that, right, where you're like, uh, okay, what do we do here? How the hell do we get out of going over the cliff or over the edge and going down like Niagara Falls, you know, or something like that? Um, so here's the deal as of Thursday night, Alex Smith had not practiced this week, nor was he expected. Maybe, maybe he'll be limited on Friday. Ron Rivera has said, look, he can play without practice. I mean, we do this, you know, kind of in a short week, you know, Sunday to Thursday turnaround. They just did this a couple of weeks ago. Alex knows the offense. He knows the system. The problem is, Corbin, it's not just not having practice time. It's how compromised is that surgically repaired right leg, which he says it has absolutely nothing to do with the injury, 17 surgeries. And I agree with him. It doesn't. It's a calf injury, but he suffered it. He suffered it either at the end of the Pittsburgh game or early in the practice week. He didn't exactly pinpoint when, but it it was a, a slight problem for him. He said during the practice week leading up to San Francisco, and then they thought it was okay. They didn't even list him on the injury report. And when he started the San Francisco game, he said he really was favoring it and it was really tightening up on it, on him. And he couldn't plant and he couldn't push off and his accuracy was all over. We knew something was bothering him. And then they kept slipping and sliding on the turf in Glendale. And it was a problem his last couple of snaps where he went down and he had no footing and he couldn't come back even though they said eh, he was he could have if he had to. Um, so so the, the problem is... You know, without him practicing this week, we don't know. And even if he does, quite honestly, Corbin, you know this. Practice speed is not the same as game speed. What if you go out there 
on Sunday and you say, all right, I've been running straight line. I've been cutting. I have the calf feels great. No problem. And then all of a sudden you tweak it and twerk it on Sunday, two minutes into the game. Now, all of a sudden you've got like this situation where Dwayne Haskins, who you already have enough concerns about has to come in off the bench. Yeah. He's gotten the first team reps much more than he did last. I got it. But that's not a situation that I would like. So here's my workaround to it. I don't trust Wayne Haskins fully. They don't trust Wayne Haskins fully. I don't even trust him really a whole lot. But I do think he's worked harder and he's been more humbled. I would start him and have Alex and a third quarterback active and in off the bench and in uniform. And I would bring Alex if things are going woefully wrong, but the game is still in touch, meaning at halftime or whatever, because Alex has proven that he can lead this team coming from behind in a pass-first offense. I would not do the opposite. I would start Haskins and bring Smith in off the bench if Haskins stinks. That's a, it's a difficult situation there, especially okay. when you're talking about the player that you're hesitant to play being a guy that was a first round pick Understood. just one year ago. But know. we see that in this league. I mean, there's not much patience with young quarterbacks. You better be able to step in and play and improve. And if you don't, and there are other things going on behind the scenes, then teams will move on from you quickly. Moving away from the quarterback spot here real quick. Obviously, Antonio Gibson's the other player along with Alex Smith that has not been practicing. He's missed the he missed the last game. He got hurt against Pittsburgh. He's been dealing with a toe injury, electric runner and receiver. They do have JD McKissick available. Seahawks fans know him very well from his couple years that he played in Seattle over 50 receptions. Who else on this offense away from just Terry McLaurin, obviously the 1000-yard receiver, but who else is going to need to really step up in this game for Washington, regardless of who is under center, to have a chance to, to get this done and move to 500 on Sunday against the Seahawks? Yeah, so regardless of who's on, under center, I don't think Antonio Gibson's going to play either, by the way. Uh, obviously, as you referenced, J.D. McKissick is a, a great valve receiver, uh, and they use him in a lot of different ways. As Seahawks fans know, they, they'll line him up in the slot. They'll line him up wide. You know, They'll line him up all over the place, uh, and, and he's a big cog in this offense. But if you take that short stuff away in the flats, and if you're really you know, uh, good about defending him, that's going to force – other guys to have to step up. And the guys that, you know, I'll start with Terry McLaurin. McLaurin's their best receiver. Clearly he went over a thousand uh, in 13 games last week in Glendale, but the last two games teams have taken him away for the most part. He's only got 12 targets combined, four catches, and I think it's 38 total yards. So if Seattle, and you mentioned some of their secondary being back and healthy, and we don't know about Quentin Dunbar at this point, if Seattle can neutralize him, that puts a lot of pressure on Logan Thomas, still a developing, but you know, a good young tight end, and Cam Sims. And they don't have much else, quite honestly, outside of that. It's been a disappointing second year for Steven Sims. Uh, Robert Foster's got some speed, but he hasn't quite developed just yet. Although they targeted him long last week, they don't have the complimentary guys that you say, if you take Terry McLaurin away, yeah, absolutely. These guys are really going to make you suffer and pay. They're not quite there yet, especially being that they have the inconsistency at quarterback. So what I would say is I'm doubling Terry McLaurin. Uh, they'll run him into the slot. I know you guys have struggled a little bit covering slot receivers, so I'll be curious to see how much they run Terry 
from the slot in this particular game and moving him all over the place. But if you can somehow control Terry and kind of limit him to five or six catches, 60, 70 yards, then that puts a lot of pressure on, again, Cam Sims and Logan Thomas. And not that they're not capable of it. I, I think they are, but they're, they seem to be kind of hot and cold. They were both hot in that Pittsburgh comeback. They were both kind of like, eh, okay, against a better defense, in my opinion, um, in San Francisco. And, uh, of course, with a worse quarterback situation. So, I mean, again, depending on the quarterback situation, it kind of fuels how many other guys will step up and surround and support Terry McLaurin. Yeah, this is truly going to be one of those games. You know, you look at the stats, it's one of those where it really does. You, you've got one of those games where something's got to give because Washington's been so darn good on defense. And you take away a game or two from the Seahawks, their offense has been one of the top three in the league pretty much the entire season. And so it's going to come down to what does the weather look like? For one thing, I, I think if it does snow or you have inclement weather, that may favor the home team. Although, I don't know. Chris Carson might really enjoy running the football against this defense. They've had their issues at times. And I'm going to throw one last X factor in here. Rashad Penny. I've mentioned a bunch of different names of guys that might be back this week, but Rashad Penny has not played yet this season. He looks explosive coming back from his torn ACL. He gives them a running back they have not had this year that has that third gear when he gets to the second level that can Take it the distance. He can hit home runs. And so, this again, it's going to be a true something's got to give matchup. Got a really great defense that's emerging for Ron Rivera. Russell Wilson and company, they can light it up, put up 40 any given game. So I think this is going to be one of the must-see matchups coming up for this weekend with – Two totally different style teams. That wor- that worries me. Uh, Olsen worries me. All the things we talked about. And by the way, just before we uh, exit stage left, now this is you know the early forecast, but uh, it is projected at FedEx Field to be overcast with showers at times, high around forty three degrees. Corbin winds light and variable, but they say a chance of uh, rain forty percent. Now I don't know if that'll be you know from one o'clock to four o'clock Eastern time. Uh, you know during the game hours, I'm not sure that yet. I don't have that information uh, as we record this, but I mean, a pretty decent chance that it's going to be maybe a run friendly or, or a pass unfriendly environment weather-wise at FedEx field. I'm really curious to see how this ends up playing out. If it's rain and it's 40 something degrees, the Seahawks, this could feel like they're right at home. Yep. <laughs> so I, I do, I'm really looking forward to this game, Chris. It's been fun to catch up and preview this matchup. Really looking forward to seeing how this unfolds and and what could be a potential playoff matchup. We could see these teams playing each other again in a few Absolutely. weeks. Absolutely. We could be doing this real soon. Again, no doubt about it. That is the current matchup, I believe, in the 4-5 matchup. And, of course, Seattle has had a ton of success at FedEx Field. Uh, and ironically, weirdly, Washington – has had pretty decent success uh, up in Seattle. I think they've won the last two matchups uh, up there. I know I was at one of them in 2011, and I know they won uh, a crazy game in 2017. So it's weird how both teams have kind of been better, uh, I honestly, at their at the opposite venue. So um, we'll see how that plays out. But always good to be with you, Corbin. Happy holidays to you, your family, and all your listeners as well. And, and maybe again we'll talk in a couple of weeks. And that's going to do it for us right here on the Locked On Washington Football Team podcast, a crossover edition. Thanks to Corbin Smith, Locked On Seahawks. 
And you should check out the Locked On NBA coverage that we have for you. The NBA season preview is up. Go download it wherever you download the Locked On Washington football team podcast or your favorite podcast. We have NBA regular season coming up in less than a week, baby. Whew, is James Harden going anywhere? Check it out. I'm Chris Russell. Have a great, great, great weekend. If we don't talk to you before then, we'll have another episode. Um, But if you don't check us out between then, please check us out between now and then. Download, share a friend. Thanks to our sponsors, Built Go, Pepsi, uh, and everyone else in between. Thanks to you for downloading and listening. Long episode, but it's worth your time. I'm Chris Russell. Adios. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.